Liam in, I'm going to take that Civic Center apart, and then we're all going to be over at Rodeo, woo, driving the women wild. Miami Beach, get ready. Woo. We are doing, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. But one time I wrestled a giraffe to the ground with my bare hands. I've been called the songbird of my generation by people who've heard me. Honey, do you think KFC's still open? What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay, joining you guys live from the LBK, as always, and across the way. From the Dirty Third down in H-Town is my main man, Matt Clare. What's up, Matt? Hey, man. How's it going? It is, uh, it's going. I will say that. We're uh, halfway through the season almost. Got, uh, got lots of college football going on and uh, that kind of thing as always. I don't know where I'm going with this intro. I'm just kind of rambling here. So uh, so that's where I'm at mentally at this, this individual moment. So, Oh, uh, yeah. You're already ruining the podcast. Yeah, I usually ruin it. You know, we get about 10 minutes in and I ruin it. I decided to just get it out of the way two minutes in yeah. and kind of poison the water. So, uh, well, you, you edit the podcast, so you can just go back and cut this part out, kind of, right? Well, or make it sound cooler. I, I mean, I guess I could make it sound cooler. I should, uh, I could, I should just, just start uh, putting in j- just songs and stuff in the middle of the podcast. If there's a part where I don't like it, I'm like, all right, now, guys, we'll take you back to, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, Something we'll get like the that. we'll get the sexy sax man up in here <laughs> playing little music, but uh, but uh, but anyway, I guess uh, I guess you know right now, man. You know we're like I said, we're about halfway through the college football season, and kind of before we got into anything we want to talk about, I just wanted to just real briefly kind of get your thoughts on after you know five weeks, or I guess six weeks, uh, just kind of what you thought about the year so far, just in college football. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier this morning, and. Uh... I mean, I know there maybe there's some I'm overlooking. I guess I'm just I, I'm I don't see any big surprises uh, in college football. I feel like especially at the top, the teams that we thought were were good uh, for the most part are, are pretty good. And uh, I guess maybe I'm alone in thinking that. I mean, I know that the, the North Dakotas of the world and all that are, are you know doing great things. I just in terms of surprises or things that that shocked me. Or teams that are really kind of stepping up. I mean, I, I guess I just assumed that the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world uh, would be up there. I think you know maybe Michigan's living up to the hype a little bit, but we're still pretty early in the season. Uh, I'd say that's my my quick uh, opinion on on the state of college football. I think the one team that really has just kind of exploded onto the scene. If if you pick one, I think it's Washington, pretty clearly. But they've been really the only surprise and and I think a lot of people thought they'd be pretty good but they've just kind of been steamrolling well not kind of they have been steamrolling everybody they've taken on I mean they're just like ground pounding everybody they play because I mean when you put up 70 on Oregon and then you embarrass Stanford like you did I mean you're, you're doing something yeah it's been interesting I mean because uh coach Peterson came from Boise State where uh you know people I don't think anybody forgot necessarily, but you know, Boise State was seemed like they were in the Fiesta Bowl every year, every other year. They're playing the BCS game, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think he's been able to get some talent in there. I, I forget how many years he's been there now, but yeah, that's, I think this is again, third. This is his third year. Oh, okay, 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's probably some that I'm forgetting, but I guess just on the whole, like I said, I mean, uh, kind of up to this point, uh, you know, most of, of what we kind of thought could happen is, is you know, playing out before our eyes. I mean, I, I think when we get into tech-specific stuff, I mean, everybody was pretty spot on with, with where this thing could be at this point. No, yeah, I, I would say as far as tech stuff, I think you're you're pretty much where you thought you would be, which is why... I mean, I guess you might say you're a little bit behind where you thought you would be, but at the same time, this team's probably played a lot like we thought they would. But uh, we'll get into that here uh, in a little bit. Before we get into you know tech season and where things are at you know right now, wanted to talk a little bit of recruiting news because that's there's a couple of headline things going on right now. And first of which is uh, Denton Ryan, 2018 wide receiver Gabriel Douglas, committed to Tech uh, last week. I think it's a week ago today. He committed. We were recording this on Wednesday, and I believe it was a week ago, uh, maybe even Thursday. I can't remember the exact day. But uh, anyway, get a commit from him and uh, really like what they're doing to start out the 2018 class here. And uh, the best start to a class, I would say, here in a good while, Matt. Absolutely. I mean, these are early commitments, but, I mean, they really all, except for – we might have talked about this last time. I know we skipped last week, so maybe a few, two weeks ago. But uh, – with the exception of Cam Jones, all these guys really committed, you know, with either the day of or within a week of receiving their offer from right. Tech. So, um, you know, you look at these guys and and whether or not it's representative on on our website or not, uh, it's early, so their offer list might not jump off the page. But you know, from what I'm seeing, uh, these these guys are you know really talented. And just from a measurement standpoint, you know, we talk about Douglas, 6'2", 195, and a, and a whole other year of football at the high school level. Yeah, as a play. junior, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're talking – I know that Jack Anderson, you know, had committed. But, I mean, even he didn't commit – well, I shouldn't say it like that. I haven't done all the math. But this is this is early, early commitments, you know. So these are guys that are – Yeah, for this many anyway. You know, jumping on board pretty quick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, that – Everybody's gotten to know Cam, and Cam's starting to get uh, some of that, some of the offers from bigger programs that that have come in. Uh, but I, I think that that Cam would be your your equivalent to a Jack Anderson in the 2018 yep. class. You know, maybe a vocal guy, a leader guy. You know, somebody that would rally the class, so to say. Uh, but really, if you just look at with with Douglas and and you look at with Travion Johnson, I mean, these are these are both kids that. You know, Denton, there's a lot of tech influence there because, you know, you go up and I mean, I'm from that area. Um, so so there's not only that, but you had the influence in the high school and college coaching ranks uh, around that area. And a lot of those schools are running a, a variation of the air raid. And so uh, these kids seeing what the offense is doing, you're starting to maybe see some of that pay off a little bit. Um, and then. Obviously, with Stanley Hackett, we know his story a, a little bit more as well, and and he's a Rivals 100 kid. So you really look up and down this class, and and you have to be impressed with what the coaches have been able to do because uh, at this point in the game, you know these guys could end up being some of the top uh, prospects at their position sure. in the entire state. And there's no way anybody could really know that right now because in a in a talent rich state, especially at wide receiver in Texas. You know, who's really to say who the best junior is? But if you get on these kids early, you you show them that you believe in them, and you offer them way before anybody else does. You you kind of earn that loyalty, and you you just hope that that plays out over the the long haul. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think just look right now at kind of what Tech has on the roster as far as receivers. Whenever you look at 
what Jonathan Giles has done, what Cam Batson's doing. Uh, I think those guys too specifically are, you know, the, the picture of what this coaching staff has done from an evaluation standpoint with the guys they've got committed at receiver because, you know, both those guys are, are your top two leading receivers right now. And I think arguably two of the, you know, handful of best receivers in the entire Big 12 right now. And they're guys that really nobody really offered much other than Tech. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, a program like Tech, again, for them to, to have that type of momentum, they, they've just got to ride the wave. And whether it's really early or they're the first to offer or even with the next kid that we're going to talk about, they're definitely not the first to offer. So uh, it, it's all about relationships. And, and right now they've got something going in 2018. I mean, I think that someone had, had made mention of uh, another site that, that might have more comprehensive 2018 rankings at the moment. But Tech was something like number five in the nation uh, so far. I mean, that that doesn't mean yeah. a lot, you know, this far out. But for a program it's like a good Tech, that, that means, yeah, that means these kids are paying attention to what they're doing out there. And, and you know, again, it's said all the time, right? Like, if, we're, if you're a receiver, why wouldn't you want to play in this offense? And, uh, you know, going into this season, there that was a question mark. You know, we knew that they were talented guys, but who would step up and fill in for a guy like Grant and, you know, replace that production? I mean, you've got guys that are playing tremendous at the wide receiver position, and uh, you got an offense putting up insane amount of points and and leading the NCAA in passing yards per game by miles. Uh, it's about like so, almost 150, which is insanity. Yeah, I saw a crazy stat that that the difference between Tech at one and whoever is at number two is larger than the gap from number two to number like 73 yeah 78 i think it was <laughs> yeah. yeah and i was like good lord so i mean kids are going to notice that i mean receivers are going to notice that i think uh and douglas is the one that made mention of that in his brief interview with uh with our regional analyst uh uh nick kruger so uh so yeah i mean they're, they're continuing the momentum uh you see more 2018 offers have gone out recently so you know, the coaches are, are continuing to move forward with some of these newer offers. And it might even also be a byproduct of them getting out during the bye week and getting out to some practices mm-hmm. and maybe seeing some prospects and how they've progressed uh, since the last time they were able to get out on the road. No, absolutely is. And, and and totally agree. You know, things are going good for 2018. And that includes obviously with a kid like Douglas. And the next kid we're going to talk about that we really wanted to spend some time on is a kid that actually also recently uh, here, it's been a couple weeks ago, picked up an offer, and that'd be Saxy linebacker Rico Jeffers, who uh, is going to be visiting Lubbock for his official visit this weekend. One of the only uncommitted guy, I believe, but uh, one of several guys taking OVs out to Tech this weekend. So, uh, seems like, you know, as far as, you know, you're wanting to find some linebackers for this 2017 class, you're really trying to build that up for the future as far as the linebacking core goes. And uh, a kid that I think really really likes tech and i think you'd say was it was the front runner right now so tech in great position with him going into this weekend yeah i mean it and that's kind of what i had mentioned is you know a lot of these kids in 2018 they're jumping on the first offer and you know we'll see how that plays over the the long haul but you know there's no uh this isn't a cookie cutter type of deal every kid's recruitment is different and you know here you look at a kid at a program like Saxy that churns out d1 talent seemingly on a yearly basis uh, both on offense and defense, and he's 6'1", 230 pounds. I, I personally haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, I, you know, I've talked to him, and and you know, we've gone back over the past year. But this is a kid with uh, over 20 offers, and Texas Tech came in what two weeks ago? Yeah, just so, two weeks. Yeah. Um, 
I think that that they were, you know, he had other offers within the state. It was Houston. Maybe they're not looking for any other linebackers or they cooled off. I, I have no idea. Um, and then it was North Texas and Texas State. So Texas Tech was his, you know, first Big 12 or first in-state Big 12 offer. And, uh, you know, I think that he's expressed interest in staying home or relatively close to home for college. So I think that's a, a built-in benefit, but we talk about it all the time when we, when we talk about each prospect and their recruitment is uh, get them to campus, you know, get them to take an official visit and he's going to do that. And so he's going to get to see that atmosphere and spend a lot of time with the coaches. You know, oftentimes we get asked, you know, Hey, what are your thoughts? What are a percentage? You know, the way I, the way I answer that is, you know, when you're, when you're discussing things with a young man, you can sort of feel their excitement uh, and you can kind of hear it, you know, in their voice, right. the way they talk about it. So, like I said, I, I do feel like, you know, I got that and, and that he will end up with Texas tech. However, what, uh, what I answered uh, in the chat the other night was that it might not be on Sunday. It might not be next Wednesday, but I think he might take a few more of his official visits and make his decision after the season, and it very well could be Texas Tech. I, I expect him to visit, uh, maybe officially visit Oklahoma State as well as you know maybe another program or two. I know he already took an official visit to Kansas State, uh, so you, you just have to let it play out and, and see what happens. But I, I do I do really uh, think that, that the proximity to home the the big 12 you know staying in state and not only staying in state but you know playing in a program in a conference where he'll where he'll be familiar with some of the other players and even his teammate drew jackson that's going to be with him this right. weekend who's a 2018 wide receiver um so yeah i mean i just think they've got a lot going their way uh but but like i said earlier just it's just a good example that you know, yeah, there are still three-star, you know, 5.7 type guys with 20-plus offers that are interested in playing at Texas Tech for, you know, a variety of different reasons. And I know that in talking with him, the interesting part of it is when you look at Spavadol and you look at Gibbs, you know, whether you like it or not, it's the reality. They're, they're, their uh, methodology isn't offer, 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 see who calls back. You know, it's, you know, very calculated. And, it's, it's, and, it's very NFL style how you they do it. Yeah, because I, and I've heard this from Gibbs. He said, look, I used to coach defensive backs in the NFL. I could look at 100 defensive backs and tell you, you know, which ones I might like the most. But why would I go – if I'm a college coach, why would I be expected to do the same thing for defensive tackles? Or why would I – if I'm a defensive guy, why would I know that, hey, you know, we need to offer this receiver? You know, I, me personally as the coordinator, I want to see the kid and I can know he's talented. It doesn't take a, a college coach to right, tell you that. Yeah. But I would want my – defensive backs coach to go watch him i would want my defensive line coach to go watch a defensive end i would want to tell the guy who's going to coach him coach yeah he said and i think i think there's something to that and so i think they communicate that to the kids and i think they value that within the the staff and so what just the you know talking to jeffers himself he said i know that coach spavadol doesn't offer a lot of linebackers and so you know, the fact that we've been in communication, the, the fact that he's been open with me. I mean, I think that plays well uh, with some prospects. And, uh, you know, it's true. If you look in the database, there's there's the no brainer offers to Baron Browning and uh, guys like Anthony, uh, Anthony Hines. Right. Uh, yeah. Who are no brainers, like you said. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then there's just a couple others where, you know, hey, look, those kids decided to commit elsewhere or they're still keeping their options open. So you move down, you find other prospects, and, and here you go. So uh, this thing's about timing, and, and it's different for each and every kid. It, it absolutely is. And the thing, I guess, that, that you were saying, too, about uh, Coach Spav, the thing I'll say is, is is that Jeffers very much fits, as far as a prospect goes, he fits very much in the same mold of what – Jordan Brooks was and what Braden Stringer was last year where uh, they're kind of bigger kids that that are pretty aggressive as far as making decisions you know that they kind of they've all guys that have played linebacker I think their whole lives that are you know true linebackers guys that that, that hit hard are physical uh, can move laterally well so I, I think there's a very common theme between these guys they've offered at linebacker and I think that kind of starts you know first and foremost with guys who are going to be run stoppers and be physical and that's that's exactly what what Jeffers is so I I think that if anything you can tell you can kind of tell the identity of what these guys are that they're recruiting uh what they're trying to do on defense yeah and and you know the fact of the matter is they've been here uh not even a year and a half so uh their guys you know quote unquote their guys may or may not be on the field just yet and um, I, I know even after our roundtable today, we, we kind of discussed that. And I think linebacker is an interesting position uh, because especially of the, in modern football, I think, it, you know, with where things are at. Well, yeah. And then because, yeah, we talk about the Big 12 conference, but but even just at Texas Tech with the amount they're, they're going to throw numbers at it. But the fact that, like you said, all these kids are, you know, they're, they're, there's some different types or different you know types of linebackers. Body here, types, but the yeah. ones they're bringing in lately are just tall and bigger and they have size They're kind and of so thumpers th- i guess I would yeah say. and they and they move inside and out and so i just think you know with that you're going to get some of the youth you're going to get some of the inexperience but you know for what it could be as a group and and for the track record that that both gibbs and spavadol have it just simply identifying talent uh you know you you have some hope that they can put that together especially knowing that, that some of these guys are redshirting and that they're going to be adding even more numbers to certain position groups next year. But again, yeah. nobody wants to talk about next year. They want to talk about, you know, what happened this week or, or you know, what's going to happen this, this next week. And, and I get that part. Uh, but with recruiting, you have to project, you have to talk about the fit or the group, you know, as exists. So um, I, I just think, like you said, uh, Jeffers is a, a good prospect that's available. Uh, he's a top 100 kid in the state. He's got great size. And if he's digging Lubbock and, and thinks it's a good fit for him, I could definitely see him pulling the trigger. Yeah, it is a no-brainer match if, if you're tech and you'd love to get a kid like that. So like you just said, Matt, you know, people are interested in what's going on this week. So uh, we're going to get into a little bit of West Virginia talk. But, but first, wanted to do a quick recap of how things went against Kansas State last weekend. Uh, I, I guess first I'll just kind of share some of my thoughts. I thought that uh, – that's a very frustrating loss and, and one of those where at the end of the day, I think you feel like that, you know, if you're a Texas Tech fan, I think you feel like you probably should have won that one and kind of gave it gave it to him on a silver platter with the pick six and the kickoff return and, and a couple of pretty key penalties. So I think that's the frustrating thing where you feel like this team is kind of right on the edge of kind of turning the corner where they can win some games against you know, good Big 12 teams, and and, and, and you wonder when that's going to happen. But uh, I think that's a frustrating thing because, you know, you put up, you know, 38 points on the road at Kansas State, which is 
something they haven't done in, in a very long time. So I, I think it's just frustrating whenever you see that, that they're kind of so close and the defense, you know, played well enough to win and the offense for the most part, most of the game played well enough to win. You just had a, a few kind of key mistakes. Yeah. And it just seemed at the most inopportune times as well. Yep. I mean, I, I haven't gone back to do a rewatch like you have, uh, but the, even, you know, for as much credit as we give Mahomes, we have to talk about when he makes a mistake. And in all, you know, even though it was one and he's going to throw interceptions when he, when it's a pick six, it's just it's brutal because the I thought that the defense had some momentum. Then you gain the lead and then the kickoff return, and it just you, you handled fourteen points in the first half. Yeah, it had to have been a, a rough feeling, kind of going into halftime, and that makes sense. Then that coming out of halftime. They go on to score three points the rest of the game. I, I thought that uh, it was an odd game to watch. I thought that the mistakes, you know, again, you see with this team, you see that uh, as soon as something pivotal or as something game-changing happens, whether it's that kickoff return, the pick six, whatever it may may be, uh, 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 you know, Cantrell getting offensive pass, whatever, right? Uh, and the team just reacts poorly or, you know, doesn't kind of pick themselves up off the turf. So, uh, you know, that continues to be a, a little bit of a theme, especially on the road. Uh, and you just, you know, it's good that they have a, a nice home schedule. It's good that maybe they have a chance to to try and knock off the number 20 team in the nation. But you got to see these guys maybe bounce back a little bit better from from some of these, you know, maybe miscues or, or ups and downs within the game. See, I, I kind of have the opposite view of that on this because I think that last year, if, if that game was going like that and they give up the 14 points, I think this game last year or the first three years, I think – this team would have caved in and you never would have seen the light of day again. And they, they would have kind of, you know, shelled in and called it quits. But I kind of thought it was encouraging that the defense played really well in the second half and only gave up 13 points. Um, you know, got three, three and outs to start the second half, despite the offense kind of stalling out a little bit and, you know, got, you know, got down in the red zone and couldn't score, but they kept driving the ball, which, which I thought that, Unlike in the past, and I've thought this the last two weeks, whenever, I, I guess, whenever co- like controversy or bad situations have hit this team, they haven't kind of flinched as much in, in the last two weeks. Things haven't come out like they wanted it to, but, I mean, you got to think, with as bad as things went, Tech, you know, has a chance on the last play of the game, you know, at the 45 to throw a touchdown and win it. So, uh, I mean, I, I just think that that's a, that's a step forward that it's been in the last two weeks for this team. And and that's the one positive I take away. Obviously, you got to quit making so many mistakes. But I never thought that, unlike in the past, I don't think the the, the team ever caved in after the mistakes. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a, a, a harsh way of putting it. But I mean, for this offense, I mean, that, that's more than a stall. Three points in the second half. When when I think clearly, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you had some breakdowns. You had some some miscues and and to be honest watch i was just watching on tv but you just had i don't know if like pat i'm not gonna say he's injured by any means i'm not gonna go there i'm just saying he just didn't look right it didn't seem like and especially it didn't make sense as the game sorry as the game progressed you would think that in the beginning he'd be rusty and get better but it was the opposite i think that he and this was kind of in the late third going to the fourth i thought he made some kind of uncharacteristically bad decisions, not necessarily with where he was throwing the ball, but I thought that he took some sacks that, that he shouldn't have taken where, 
he didn't either recognize the blitz or well, there, there was said that all three times that he got sacked, there was a free a free rusher coming, and when that happens, he has to recognize that you know that that's about to happen and has to figure out where to throw the ball. But he just kind of held on to it and he kind of took it on the chin, you know, all three times when that happened. And there were several read options where he should have kept it. Uh, there was a couple RPOs he didn't make good decisions on. So, and all that happened in in third and fourth down situations. So. I, I don't know. I, I think part of that in the fourth quarter was I think his arm kind of wore out on him a, a little bit as he got deep in that game, and that was something that I think with how little he practiced last week that you didn't you didn't have a really ga- a gauge as far as if that was ever going to happen because if you remember, I think it was late in the third quarter, he had a chance at a one-on-one for a touchdown to, to Reg Davis. You know, that would have been a, a walk-in touchdown most of the time for, for this offense where he just underthrew mm-hmm. Reg, where Reg was yeah. just running free, you know, down the sidelines. So I, I just think that there were several of those passes he missed on. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that the thing that they have to take away, and, and I don't know, and I think that's the question is, is how do you kind of turn the next corner of where you quit kind of, you know, self-inflicting wounds on yourself? Because that's been the problem the last few years for this team and and that's kind of the next step they got to take is is you got to quit you know doing stuff that hurts yourself so much and most of all you can do that against some teams in this conference in fact I can think you can do that against West Virginia and it won't hurt you as much but against a team like Kansas State they're just waiting for you to do something like that so they can kind of vulture on you no yeah no sorry um no I agree man um but yeah I, I think that uh I think they'll get it together. I mean, I, I, I know I don't want it to be all negative. I just uh, I didn't expect that after watching uh, you know most of the game. I didn't expect for uh, for the the offense to falter like that. But but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's going to be some positives from that. I mean, and every it seems to change from you know year to year. But uh, hopefully with with this season and the schedule the way it is, hopefully this team just plays better at home. Maybe that's the way it is this year. And I think that's your that's your hope going into this weekend, you know, against West Virginia where uh, you've scored 50 in a row at home and it hasn't mattered who the deep, what defense it is, you know, whether that's Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, or it's a powder puff, you know, they, they've done that against all these teams in the last year and a half. So I, I think you got to feel good about that, especially against a West Virginia team that hasn't played an offense that's anywhere near as dynamic as, as what Tech's going to put out there. And uh, don't maybe you feel a little bit better defensively, you know, seeing that, you know, they held, you know, Kansas State held West Virginia to, you know, a field goal until about halfway through the fourth quarter when West Virginia scored both their touchdowns to win. So, um, so yeah, I think that it's going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, you actually talked to Keenan Cummings, who's the senior writer over at WVSportsYou.com, to talk about the matchup. So uh, we got an interview here for you guys to listen to real quick, you know, here for the next couple of minutes. Just wanted to get a preview with Keenan. So so once again, here is Keenan Cummings with, uh, with Matt to kind of preview the matchup. All right, and this week on the Victory Bells podcast, we have a special guest from our West Virginia affiliate, WVSports.com, senior writer Keenan Cummings. Keenan, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, getting ready for this game this weekend, uh, and and one of the you know, what we've been doing every week on the podcast is just trying to talk with uh, someone from the opposing team, learn a little bit more about uh, about the season and how things are going. But like I said, uh, West Virginia is number twenty in the nation. You guys are four and zero, and they're coming off a bye week and and traveling here to Lubbock. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts, just in general, on 
you know, what you've seen from the team so far this season and, and what the vibes are around uh, Morgantown. It hasn't been the most perfect start for West Virginia, but on the on the record where it really counts, it has been perfect. 4-0, as you mentioned. Um, there's been an up and down. The games have been pretty close, but they've been able to take care of business, which is something that Dana Holgerson's teams have struggled to do in the past couple of years. And they've lost a lot of close games. Uh, you, you think that maybe this is the year they're turning the corner. You know, depth's a key word they've talked about here. The last couple of years, this is coming into the season – Dana felt was his deepest team that's been challenged with a couple key injuries already. They've been able to overcome that. They got the Kansas State monkey off their back, which is which has kind of haunted them since they joined the league. Kansas State would always find a way to beat West Virginia. Usually it was a special teams play. Ironically enough, they won the game on a special play, uh, special teams play this year. So right now the the, the the spirits are high in Morgantown. I think I think people think this is a pretty good football team. It's been tested in the non-conference, not not too much. You know, Missouri, BYU, Youngstown State, and then beating Kansas State at home. But this is probably going to be one of the biggest tests of the season for West Virginia just because Texas Tech is so good at home, and this is the first true road game for West Virginia. You mentioned they've already had two bye weeks. So this is the first true road game for West Virginia. It's going to be interesting to see okay. how they come out and battle that high-powered Texas Tech attack. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, that the team's been playing well and they've overcome some injuries. I guess just in trying to learn more about West Virginia, uh, you know, if, if the offense is a strength for Texas Tech, you know, what are some of the strengths uh, that, that you've seen from West Virginia uh, so far through these four games? I think West Virginia offensively, for the first time in a while, has finally gotten to that point where you really feel like this is a balanced group. They're taking what defenses are giving them, um, they've been able to throw the ball down the field. They've been able to run the football. But the area that this, this group is different in the past couple of years is Skylar Howard has been able to really work the intermediate levels. He's able to move the chains and make those difficult throws on third down, third and six, third and five. And it seems kind of, you know, funny to say it that way, but at times he, he throws a better deep ball than he did, you know, a, a hitch. So that area has improved a lot, and it's made West Virginia a lot more efficient offensively. They have a senior-laden offensive line and a lot of experience there. They've relied on them. Pass protection has been a lot better offensively. And defensively, nine new starters, it's not as good as a unit right now. It's not as good as the unit they had last year. But overall, it's, it's been pretty surprising. They've been able to hold teams in check, you know, help Kansas State to, to 16 points in their last matchup. So, there's positives there, but they haven't they haven't went against an offense like they're going to go against today. Right. Well, I mean, these guys obviously Dana gave uh, was one of his coaches in college and gave him his first shot uh, in the college ranks. So there's a lot of familiarity there, and I think that's led to some very closely contested games. If I don't have it all in front of me, but I want to say that the, the last one ended on like a wild field goal or, or something like that. Correct. Uh, yeah, last time. Last time in Lubbock, yeah, is what yeah. I meant to say. Yeah, so it's always it's always something uh, wild, and, and uh, you know, again, Tech doesn't have the the weakness there is that the defense isn't as strong. And it sounds like from everything I've been able to read so far, the the West Virginia rushing attack, whether it's been one guy or a group of guys, has seemed to to really, you know, do some some good work for the Mountaineers this season. Can you speak to to those guys and kind of who will be carrying the load out of the backfield? Yeah, Russell Shell is going to be the guy that gets into the game first. Um, he's ran for over 100 yards two years in a row against Texas Tech. So there's a precedent there. He's had some success running the ball against them. 
Justin Crawford is the second guy. He was the junior college uh, national player of the year offensively last year. West Virginia got in on him late. Right now he's leading the team in rushing. Um, he's kind of been that dynamic guy, kind of the small wood to the shell. You know, mm-hmm. two-headed attack for West Virginia last year. That's the role Crawford's plan. And they have another kid who hasn't played as much the last couple of weeks in Kennedy McCoy, who's an electric change of pace kind of guy that, that can make some, thing happen, make some things happen running and catching the ball. So that is something. That's the bread and butter. West Virginia wants to run the football when they can. It's kind of funny, you know. Uh, Dana Holgerson Air Raid, we talked about the ties earlier, not trying to establish the run and, and that balance, but that's been what Dana Holgerson has done the last couple of years, and, and it's worked for him. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, w- one of my last questions just, uh, you know, on the start to the season, uh, obviously Holgerson is a guy that, you know, has had some success, but it's been a little up and down, very similar to, to Cliff's experience at Tech so far. I mean, coming into the season, was it fair to say he had, he had some heat on the seat or, or – you know, I guess where do things kind of stand there right now? Absolutely. I think that's absolutely fair to say. You know, West Virginia, they've gotten better. They've gotten close to the hump, but they can't get over the hump. I think last, the way the last year ended in the regular season left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, losing that game to Kansas State in a game that they probably shouldn't, shouldn't have lost. So that, that left a bad taste. They won the bowl game. They finished with eight wins, but the goal was kind of nine there. And West Virginia's been stuck in that seven, eight win range. And this is a big year. You know, obviously he's taking care of business through the first four games, which is a huge step in the right direction. But the Big 12 looks pretty wide open this year. And West Virginia is mm-hmm. one of two undefeated teams. And this is, this is arguably one of the most, ta- one of the most difficult games left on their schedule, given how, how tough it is to play in Lubbock and how well the Red Raiders play there. So if West Virginia is able to come out with a win in this game, who knows? Sure. Well, uh, real quick before we move on to another topic, what uh, we've talked about, Tech, I know you, I know Will provided your, your guys with some, you know, info for a feature, but uh, we've talked about the teams. We've talked about the, the Mountaineers a little bit more. What are your thoughts uh, about, you know, going on the road at 11 a.m. in Lubbock on Saturday? What do you think happens? I think it's going to be an interesting game. I see this as a very, very close game. I, I know that Tech, Tech has – you know, nine games in a row scoring 50 points. And West Virginia, last time they went there, were able to hold them to 34. You know, West Virginia's been able to run the football, kind of shorten the game a little bit. I think that will be the plan. I think what will be interesting to see is if West Virginia is able to do that, you know, shorten the game a little bit, and how if Tech is able to get off to a really hot start, I think that changes this game completely. If they're able to come out of the gates and, and get things going early, put West Virginia behind it, a couple touchdowns, it's a lot harder to run the football. So I think West Virginia's in trouble there. If they're able to come in, establish the run, and kind of do what they did last year, I think they have a good chance to come out with a win. But it's not easy to win on the road in this conference. And the game's a pick em. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. No, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I feel like I feel like I say that in some form or fashion every week. If Tech gets off to a hot start, then they can dictate the pace of the game. But it's also, it's also a big if. That's kind of a coincidence, like you said. I mean, at home, you'd like to think they can do that. But, I mean, anybody that asks my opinion, I usually say the same thing. And um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, the, the last thing I, I know I mentioned I want to talk about is, you know, the Big 12's changed so much. And um, I know that there's been – we won't get into expansion or headlines or anything like that. I'm, I'm just curious from a, uh, a West Virginia fan standpoint, from an alumni, alumni standpoint. I mean, it's been a couple years now, and 
I mean, I know we can't dive right into to expansion, all the things that, that could happen, but I guess, you know, what what has the thought been from your fan base on, on the Big 12? And as you mentioned, this round-robin schedule that, that hey, 4 and is great, but you know and you've seen that it could hit you like a ton of bricks. You play everybody, and that could turn into – six and six before you know it so so what is i guess just what have been the general thoughts or or you know widely discussed topics from from your fan base just being kind of the new guy and and quite honestly being so far away from everybody that that, like i said sometimes it can almost be uh from this and it can almost be like an afterthought um that's a bad way to put it but you you know what i mean yeah i think that overall west virginia is very happy to be a member of the big 12 conference um, you know, when, when you look at the schools in this league, West Virginia really fits in. The only hurdle there, as you mentioned, is the most obvious one, geographically. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they would like to see that bridge. You, know, you mentioned expansion. I think West Virginia would like to have a team closer. I don't really know if they have any particular ones they favor. But overall, I think the thought from, from West Virginia fans is they love it. You know, the, the round robin, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's taking its toll on Dana Alderson, obviously. You know, he talks about the seats a little hot. But it, it brings good games to Mountaineer Field. You know, West Virginia fans are able to watch high-quality level football week in, week out, which certainly beats the alternative has mm-hmm. the Big 12 not been an option. I think that overall, the, the thing that, that is, I guess would be concerning, the most concern I hear from West Virginia fans, other than the distance, of course, is just how they, they got out of a situation in the Big East where there was so much turmoil so much craziness, and then it seems like it's happening all over again in the Big 12. And I know teams that are in the Big 12 are used to this, but West Virginia, I guess, when they got out, we're not, was not expecting this to this extent. Right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like uh, every year the, the words like expansion and all these other things are thrown out and committees have meetings, and uh, nothing ever seems to, to happen. I mean, I, I personally don't see anything wrong with it as currently constructed, but I just think that maybe in five, ten years it'll just look completely different and we'll have mega conferences or something like that. But who knows? I mean, I know that a lot of our fans are really glad to have West Virginia and they love the trip to Morgantown. So I haven't done it myself. I'll have to check it out. Um, you know, we hope to have you in Lubbock soon. But but always enjoy uh, connecting with you, Keenan. Uh, like I said, guys, this is our guest this week, uh, senior staff writer at WZSports.com. Uh, our affiliate at the West Virginia site, uh, senior writer Keen Cummins. Keen, I appreciate your time, man, and, uh, you know, uh, happy football watching this weekend. Yeah, and look forward to it. It should be a good game. All right, man. That, I think that should do it for us. I appreciate the time. I'll let you get back to those kiddos. No problem, man. Thanks a lot, buddy. I'll talk to you here soon. All right. See you. So, once again, just wanted to say thanks to Keenan for – uh, coming in and, 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 you know, kind of giving us the insight from the West Virginia perspective. It's going to be a very interesting weekend for sure. And for me, Matt, the most interesting thing about these Tech uh, West Virginia matchups has been that I think Cliff and Dana, you know, the Coach Holgerson are both so familiar with one another that these games, I think, regardless of, you know, how good or bad the opponent, the other team is, I think they're always going to be kind of close because of how familiar these guys are with each other. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit, and uh, you know that's certainly I don't know. I mean, it's been either which way uh, every year, but they, they've started out as very competitive games, and some I of think them every game's been le- wire. Every, less than a touchdown in every single game at the end. Yeah, so I mean, again, I think the the familiarity. I mean, the the 
these these defenses go up against these offenses every week. But I think the thing that uh, people have to remember is is while the defense has shown improvement, uh, I think still the area of weakness has been the defending the rush, or defending the run, I should say. And I know Keenan gave us some more details on their two running backs and uh, the the season that they've had so far. So I think if they can establish that running game and if they can you know, do something with their defense or if the offense has another, you know, I guess quarter or so where they fail to get in the end zone. Uh, that's, that's where I think you'll see tech get in trouble. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I just don't like 11 AM games. They seem to, uh, they seem to, to either start slow or get sluggish uh, there in the quirky. middle. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the thing that I worry about in this game, it's the exact same thing I worried about last week with what, with, with Kansas state is, when you go back and watch that game, I'll be honest, like Tech's rush defense up the middle as far as kind of, you know, in the A gap and B gap hasn't been really bad at all this year. You know, for the most part, they've kind of limited teams between the tackles and uh, done a good job. And I think that has a lot to do with you having older guys at defensive tackle and, and some good, you know, players there. But the big problem has been off the edge with whether it be kind of off tackle runs or power runs or. Uh, a pulling like guard or, or the center outside or or a read option where I, I think your edge players have had a much tougher time defending a lot of this and that's just kind of been uh, where well, that's, that was where Kansas State gouged Tech to be honest other than, other than off the edge they really didn't do much offensively so the thing that really worries me against West Virginia is that coupled with the fact that West Virginia has a pretty, pretty potent I would say vertical passing game with uh, a, a guy like like Sheldon Gibson, who's a really speedy outside receiver. So while these offenses are kind of the base-wise base, base wise similar, I think the thing that worries me is what West Virginia is going to do off the edges. Yeah, I mean, you've seen that. I think I think you saw that in Kansas and then at times against Kansas State where um, if things aren't open right away, I think, you know, I, I didn't see Pat really – wanting to to create with his legs as much and and sort of started looking over his shoulder a little bit uh it, you know from what I saw and and I just think it disrupted the rhythm of the offense and I don't know there were just times he didn't look like himself it, I'm not saying it was bad but it would just be you know randomly inconsistent where the throw yeah, was just that. short or you know he would scramble and he didn't maybe need to right then and there or he would leave the pocket uh, so I know a lot of good can come from that, and so you don't want to ever tame, you know, what he has going on there uh, with his creativity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just some little, little inconsistencies uh, in this past game. So, you know, at home, I think they'll play better. Um, I think that while West Virginia did play good against Kansas State, again, that that was at home and. Again, we saw Kansas State, and and like a, that's why I was saying, if it wasn't for their rush attack or the the run that they had going on with both the the backs and the quarterback, and just I off just tackle, really, they, yeah. Well, I don't think they score as much because nope. they certainly weren't doing it through the air. No, I mean here's the thing, and 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 you can judge whatever you want, you know, based off of you know what Kansas and Kansas State are offensively in this league. The surprising thing to me has been that Tech hasn't given up what you call like a chunk or like highlight passing play against either team where the longest pass given up in the last two weeks has been 17 yards, which, you know, that, I mean, that really says a lot to me because I went back and looked 
And and to Kansas State, West Virginia gave up passes of I think it was like thirty five, twenty seven, twenty five, like nineteen. Like they gave up some big passes to Kansas State, which uh, against a passing attack that just isn't very good. And then TCU, uh, Kansas had passes of it was like sixty eight, thirty five, thirty five, twenty four, twenty eight. So I, I just think that it looks like, and I think some of this may have to do with Paul Banks being back. I think that this team has kind of clamped down on the back end defensively a little bit as far as you know the deep deep passes and and that would be a, a big plus for this defense because that's kind of what West Virginia wants to do where they kind of want to run 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 and then maybe try to throw one downfield on you uh, whenever they get a chance so um, it'll be interesting but but I think that the biggest thing that they have to do at home is is as always get to a hot start and really just limit those dumb mistakes like just don't give up a pick six don't give up a kickoff return for a touchdown don't muff a punt return don't don't do the things that you can kind of control like don't give up things that are just freebies is kind of what i'm saying don't get a personal foul at the end of a play that you shouldn't have don't don't do those kind of things and i think they'll beat this west virginia team on saturday but um but yeah i mean it's going to be an interesting matchup because like I said, I don't know. I, I just think that from watching him play the last couple of years, I don't think Skylar Howard is that much better of a quarterback than Jesse Ertz was for Kansas State or Ryan Willis and Montel Cozart for Kansas. No, I agree with you there. Um, you know, I just have to see the, the defense stop the run, and I think that starts on, you know, first and second downs and at least getting them into a position where they can rush the quarterback because your ability to do all that changes if it's third and three and third and two and all that which you know you saw a lot of against kansas state and towards the end of the game you know those guys were just getting whatever they needed to get so you know like i said hopefully back at home they can they can you know establish that early and and i think that's going to be just key uh to that entire game but uh but yeah i mean there's you know you mentioned paul banks being back i mean i do see progress uh but you look up and, and you're three and two and you're playing West Virginia who, look, they're undefeated. They've beaten some solid teams, and you have to give them their due. Uh, I think that the matchup is good. I think Tech's done some good things this season, but they have two losses, and, and West Virginia is undefeated. They've already had two bye weeks. You know, They might have some injuries here or there, but they're going to come in fresh, and so uh, it's going to take a lot, but but yeah. let's say you don't win this game. You're 3-3, three and three, Will, so... You know, you're, yeah, you got to you got to do some soul searching at that point. Absolutely, I mean, because at, at that point you've got to ask yourself, okay, what what's the rest of this season going to be? What are, you know, how are we finish? Who who are we? And so, uh, if you get a win, you're four and two. You're not that much more optimistic, but at least you're not you know asking yourself as many questions. I, I think at four and two after your first six, I think you feel at least okay about that because I, I think if you beat you know a five and zero West Virginia team. And you're four and two coming off of you know a W against a good team. I think you can feel good rolling into that Oklahoma game next weekend, which isn't nearly as daunting of a contest as I think you would have thought it was, you know, at the beginning of the year. So I think that's maybe the one encouraging thing whenever you look at the rest of the schedule is is there's not a team on the schedule that you look at and you kind of yeesh, you know, whenever you see them come up. There just isn't one of those because of how wide open I think this conference is. So um, definitely need to get this one this weekend. And an interesting stat I looked up, and I'll ask you. So West Virginia, 
after the bye week in Big 12 play is 1-6, and and the only win they have is against Kansas. you think there's anything to that, or do you think it, it doesn't matter? Um, I mean, on the road after the bye week, I mean, especially at 11 a.m., I think it matters. And um, I think that Lubbock is a difficult place to play, and I think geography, just like you know, I brought up with Keenan, has to play a factor. I mean, look, it played a factor. We talked about it when Tech went to Arizona State. Uh, we talked about all of that. I mean, this is the same thing for West Virginia, except it's a conference game. So, I mean, it's uh, crazy to think of like that. But, you know, there's a time change. There's quite a bit of travel. and uh, It's going to be early, of, early for those yeah, kids. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're traveling and you're getting up early and you're playing football. So, look, again, all that, in, in my personal opinion, I don't use that as any sort of, like, true variable. But, yeah, when you're kind of trying to figure out who can win and why you know certain stats are stacking up the way they are you know, i'm all for that but you know these kids this is what they do they play football so i just think you know w- whichever team is is better prepared and you know comes out ready to play is really going to set the tone here i feel like you know i mentioned it with to keenan but i feel like whether i'm on somebody else's radio show or answering questions for another site whatever it always seems to be look you know, we know about Tech's offense, but we also know about Tech's defense. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they can jump out and score and force the other team to, to keep up with points, you know, that's the game they're going to have to play. That's the game they're going to have to to to, to perfect in, in order to kind of continue winning. You know, that's what they've done so far, and I think that's just going to have to be the recipe. I think it just stalled out against Kansas State. Yep. And I feel like that's a game that they could have won. Now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and people may laugh at this, but you know, at the end of the day, I think fans just want to watch entertaining football games. That's right? true. Winning, yeah. winning is king. But you know, it, towards the end of the Tuberville years, and even some of these games over, over the years, you've you've fallen victim to some embarrassing losses. As long as you're not making fans sit through that, um, and, and you can yeah. have them watch a game where you're in it till the end of the fourth quarter and show some progress. I mean, I, I think that's promising, but. That's like I said, you get to three and three. I mean, even after last weekend, there's already people that are like, you know, I've had enough of this. You know, we need a new coach, yada, yada, yada. And I know a lot said on game day, but a lot of that started to permeate through the week. And you see more and more of it in a variety of ways on the board. So, I mean, it's it is what it is right now and and, uh, and it's another interesting parallel when you look at Holgerson at West Virginia who I think that for people that aren't there from what I've kind of heard I think he's on a much hotter seat than Cliff is in Lubbock yeah absolutely I mean even like Keenan said like they're 4-0 yeah. they're 4-0 but I mean they've they've been here before at the beginning of the season and they've yeah. seen it fall apart and that's that's a part of that round robin schedule in the in the big 12 It'll I mean, bite you yeah very few teams have been able to just get through there w- without a problem. For sure. And and, and, and I guess kind of my, my final thought on it will be is West Virginia hasn't played a true road game yet this year. All they The only road game they've actually played has been a neutral side against BYU in, uh, I guess it's in, in D.C. whenever they played at the FedEx Field. So, I mean, that's just kind of the interesting thing to me is is the fact that for their first true road game of the year, they have to travel. And by the way, for Tech and West Virginia, this is the furthest in-conference you know game that either one of them has to make as far as travel every single time they do it. So West Virginia has to make their farthest trip of the year for an 11 a.m. game, first road trip of the year. So it'll be interesting to me to see how they react to that because I think after it being a bye week two, 
you just wonder how kids react to that. Yeah, especially two bye weeks this early in the season. Yeah, no, you absolutely do. So uh, I guess finally, Matt, what's just kind of your thought, overall thoughts on how you think it's going to go this weekend? Uh, I think it's going to be another close game, but I think that Tech will have a lead. I think that I, I've seen improvements on the defense. I think this team has played better at home in the Jones, and uh, I think Mahomes, you know, getting back from his injury and, and playing a full game, and you know, maybe ironing out some of the kinks or getting some more rest this week will help. Uh, but definitely being back in front of the home crowd, I think, will give them the edge. Uh, I don't have a points total per se, but um, let's say let's say that that it's going to be high scoring, and, and I could see uh, I could see this one being very similar to like a La Tech where you have a lead, but it, it mm. still goes late into the fourth. Yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm kind of feeling the exact same thing. I think that if if this team is ever going to kind of get it together this year, as far as kind of you know get things to click and figure it out, I think this is when it's going to happen. Uh, and I think if that happens, I think they'll get out to another hot lead and. You wonder about the 50-point home streak and if it keeps on, because I think this is the, as far as in conference anyway, this is the best defense Tech's going to play the rest of the year um, as far as across the board. So I wonder if the 50-point streak is kind of in jeopardy, but I don't think that necessarily hurts them as much. But I'm kind of seeing the same. I'm kind of seeing a a high-scoring game that's probably in the 40s on both sides of it. And I think, you know, I think Tech will be up by... 10-14 in the third quarter and I think it'll be up to them to kind of figure out if or not figure out but but just to kind of dictate whether this is going to be the game where they kind of put the the foot on the on the gas and kind of figure it out or they kind of let West Virginia creep back in so uh it's certainly going to be interesting this weekend Uh, anything else you want to hit on before we close this thing out well, yeah, and I mean, I think I would, the only the last thing I was going to throw out there is is we know that a large percentage of this is skill, but there is that that small percentage of you know just the ball bouncing a certain way, right? I mean, we talk about the pick six, which is and there's certainly some of not that something that you, you just, see. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah, yeah, you don't see that from Mahomes, you know, ever if often. Uh, and 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 I just may have said that backwards, but whatever. I, don't, I think that's I point. don't know if he's ever thrown another pick six. To be honest, I can't. I can't think of it. Well, I know that he threw that crazy interception. Remember when he came hey, in Oklahoma for State? Yeah, but that wasn't was a pick that six. a pick six? No, no it wasn't. wasn't. Okay. Uh-uh. Uh, but uh, but anyway, the point is, is out of character. And then of course you follow that up uh, at the end of the half with the uh, kickoff return. So again, you don't see that stuff every week. And you're kind of, I guess, my point in that is that's going to happen in your favor. Uh, eventually point, yeah. as well you know we haven't seen the special teams touchdown we haven't seen the the very many turnovers and so at some point you're you're you know i mean it's due to break we, it's the due not theory, that we yeah. expected it against the number 20 team in the country or whatever uh but the last time west virginia came into town ranked you know tech gave him a ball game if not beat him if i remember correctly so oh uh, yeah it was six it was like uh it was whatever 45 to 14 or whatever was the final tech blew the doors off of them in 2012 yes and then uh, you know that included turnovers that included you know some yeah. special team stuff so all that stuff could start bouncing your way at a moment's notice and so you know that's something interesting that they would look at because if it didn't happen this week then you start to wonder okay what's going on here you know, yep. that it's is it, is it a skill thing? You know, we can't be that that bad. 
No, no, I agree, and I think it's going to be a very crucial game for how the rest of this year goes. So, once again, guys, thanks so much for listening. This is the Victory Bells Podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Thanks so much for listening, and hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya.